about you and what you have planned for this world. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit's presence as we study that word in Jesus name. Amen. And a quick question. Do you know anybody or have you ever heard anybody that knows everything there is to know about the seal of God and the mark of the beast? Anybody, you know, of any experts that know everything? Mm, not really. Probably no. not. Because I don't think we all, everybody knows everything. And, you know, whenever we read something simple like the seal of God, it's not simple. The phrase is simple, but God's not a simple God. And he allows us to understand certain aspects that are helpful to us. But there's so much more behind the scenes that we never get a chance to hear or, or think about or understand because it's not necessary for our salvation, for one. And two, we probably couldn't handle it or understand it if he did reveal it to us. So God gives us enough for us to be saved and for us to know the truth, to make a decision that we're all going to have to make at the end time. Um, one thing that's pointed out, there's only how many classes of people at the last day? Two. What two are there? Saved and unsaved. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's putting it bluntly. Huh? Saved <laughs> and unsaved, right? Anybody else? Sealed and unsealed. Sealed and unsealed. Mm -hmm. Believers and unbelievers. Yeah, they all mean the same thing, right? Those who follow God and those who follow the devil. Uh, right. And it's very interesting that each party is going to be distinct, either with the seal of the living God or with the mark of the beast or his image. So there won't be any halfway grounds. There won't be any people sitting on the fence. You know, many times people try and sit on the fence. They don't want to come totally out of the world. They don't want to get totally involved in the church or in following God. But there won't be that opportunity. There will only be two classes. You're either for God or against him. Won't be any such thing. It says on, uh, we're on page 215, uh, second paragraph says, in the great conflict between faith and unbelief, that's another way of saying it, those with faith and those with unbelief, the whole Christian world will be involved, not just Seventh-day Adventists, the whole Christian world, all will take sides. Even people who stay there on the fence. I heard someone say people sitting on the fence, the devil owns the fence. Right. Is all such are not all those who are appearing not to take sides against the truth, but they don't come out boldly for the truth either because they're afraid of losing property or suffering. All those people are numbered with the enemies of Christ. So there won't be anybody sitting on that fence. There won't be anybody who says, well, I'm just going to I'm just going to stay out of trouble. I'm just going to mind my own business and and uh, stay low and keep moving. No, you're going to. Everybody's going to have to make a choice, a decision. And when we think of our family members and our friends and neighbors, how does that make you feel, knowing that everybody has to make a decision? Well, one thing about it is saying that you cannot be an undercover Christian. You have to stand up, stand up for Jesus, soldiers of the cross, as we used to say. So we have to be bold. And so that's going to, that's going to, it takes Christ and some backbone in order to stand on the, on the, on the promises and not just sit on the, on the premises. Mm -hmm. 
Anyone else? How do you feel knowing that everybody has to make a choice? I think that, you know, that's a good thing. That's the wonderful thing about God is that he gives everybody the choice, you know, and, and I heard somebody say once, uh, I think it was, was it David Asherick or somebody said, you know, God gives you the choice. You could go to hell if you want to. He doesn't make you go to heaven. You wouldn't be happy in heaven if hell was where you wanted to be anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any other thoughts? How do you feel about your, your own immediate family members that have not accepted Christ? Sad. Sad, sad about what? Sad, huh? What'd you say? Sad about what? About the fact that they haven't accepted Christ and that there's nothing in this world um, that outshines or outdoes what Christ has done and will do for those who love him and are saved. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Close family members you're concerned with? How about would you feel sad if you didn't say anything to your family members? Yeah. Yes, of course. Yes, I would feel sad um, for not saying stuff to my family about the Lord. I think so. What if it, you? It's, it's sad to me now, just with my uh, family members not, you know, accepting Christ and not following Christ. And um, you want to just like be really, really like just do it, y'all. Wake up, but that doesn't work. So you have to <clears throat> follow the Spirit of God and with love continue to try to present Christ to them and do your best to live out the life that you know um, they need to see. So that they may uh, know that God is with me. But it's it's sad to me right now to see my family members um, not following Christ, even in, and especially knowing they know that we've been doing this for all these years. Hmm. Let me ask you a thought question just for yourself. Would you feel sad, sad that they didn't accept Christ more, or sad that you didn't tell them about Christ more? Just a thought question. Don't have to answer it. Either way, you're going to be sad, but which would be worse, that you didn't do all you could do or that you did all you can do and they still didn't accept? Sometimes I think about Christ. He was there. He preached directly to the people personally, and still not everyone accepted him as the Messiah. So we run into the same thing even now that we can preach and teach and talk and show and pray and do all that we can, but as we had uh, spoke a little bit about in Sabbath school, every person has to make their own decision. The Holy Spirit gives you opportunity, and he, he woos you to accept Christ and calls you and, and hopefully directs you, but you still have to make that choice to accept him. So I'm not sure, you know, if you did all you can do, how you would feel about it. Uh, remember in one of our classes, we talked about how, how it would be uh, when the holy city comes down from uh, the new Jerusalem comes down to earth from heaven and you see people in your family outside the city. And we talked a little bit about how you would feel. Yep. It's kind, yes. of, this kind of thing. Look over. And on you know, 
Oh, let me just say this. You know, you you can't make a judgment about anybody, but at the same time, the Bible says, by their fruits shall you know them. And so you can be sad and continue to pray when you see family members that aren't walking in the light of the truth. Maybe it's uh maybe everybody's gonna be saved by families. If it's one person that accepts Christ in the family, <laughs> then everybody's covered. You remember what happened to Aiken? He stole the gold yeah. and clothes, but his whole family got it. Do you think well? Not? I think there is a scripture that says that if we live righteously, that God will save our our children. Hmm. Guess we'll have to do some research on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know, and we wait a minute, and we know that um, families, couples who have lost babies and children, if they're saved, God will, the angels will put those babies in their hands in heaven. So, you know. That would be a real blessing. Mm-hmm. If you look over on page 216, it does point out that those who have been members of the same family even are separated. Remember the parable of the two people walking together? They were walking side by side. They had gone through some of the same experiences. They had same opportunities and privileges, you know, but one was taken and one was lost. What was the difference between the two? Does anybody remember that parable? Um, What's the difference? Why was one taken and one lost when they both had walked through the same experiences? And the same opportunities. I think that's really pretty. I don't remember exactly that parable, but uh, that's akin to the the five foolish and five wise virgins. And I think it's the difference between living up to the light that you have and keeping the commandments of God versus a head knowledge of it, but you don't um, walk in the light that you have. Hmm. That's a good point. Actually, it's the next uh, part on 216 where it says, judge by the light we have received. And it says, many who have not had the privileges that we have had will go into heaven before those who have had great light and who have not walked in it. So mm-hmm. in the parable, both of the people, you know, had the same light, but one chose not to walk in it. And many have lived up to the best light they have had and will be judged accordingly. Mm-hmm. Well, all of us are going to have to wait until the appointed time uh, when that warning, as we talked about, the loud cry goes to all parts of the world. So that sufficient light and evidence has been given to everyone so that there won't be any excuse for anybody to say, hey, I never heard that. Hey, I didn't get a chance to accept. Hey, I never got the same light that these other people got. It says that some will, some will have less light than others but one will be judged according to the light received. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean that some will have less light than others? Does that sound fair? Well, I mean, God is the righteous judge. So, you know, we can't really say that sort of reminds me of the parable of the, the, the man asked laborers to come and work at, I'm just going to say 6 a.m. in the morning. And so he said, I'll give you X amount of dollars for, for the day's work. And, and so then at five o'clock that evening, he found some others and he said, come and work in my vineyard. And 
they came and worked in his vineyard for the hour until the you know close of the work day and he paid them the same hmm. yeah i think that's fair yeah um it's fair because some people may not be able to grasp some of the more difficult stuff like the 2300 day prophecy some people first of all may not even get an under, a chance to hear that prophecy but secondly you know, the comprehension, you know, that's, it's a very fair and merciful thing that God doesn't hold everybody up to, you know, hold the same standard. Because if a person don't have the comprehension abilities to understand all, even though the light may be presented to him, the understanding just may not be there. So I think that's very fair and kind of God, really. Hmm. Yeah, and I was thinking on that same line, Akita, you know, there there are opportunities that are available to all of us, but it didn't say that we would all learn everything at the same time or that we would all learn everything uh, before he came. It, the Bible actually says that we shall forever be learning. Uh, and so some might not just receive as much light as some of the others, but it's not, it's not how much you receive. It's the acceptance of the light that um, drives, drives us. Right. And it's what you do with what you have. You is with, it's what you do with what you've been given, you know, which is another parable of the parable of the talents, talents that were given, you know. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Would you rather have less light or more light? <laughs> which, would, which would make you more responsible, which would make it easier for you to accept? Would you rather have less light given to you or more light given to you? No, I think it's a... Um, it doesn't matter how much light that's given to you. I don't think if you have less light, that's a less struggle for you. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, if a person doesn't know the 2300-day prophecy, he may struggle still with um, the Sabbath. <laughs> benevolence. Mm -hmm. he, may, he still has his struggle. He still mm -hmm. struggle with trust, uh, trusting God. Whereas mm -hmm. if you have understand the 2300 day prophecy and have accepted it, but you may not understand some other part of the Bible, but I don't, I think everybody is going to have the struggle that is appropriate for them. And that struggle is as hard for them as it is for the other, uh, a next person who has a whole lot of like, it's still a very real struggle for them. Mm -hmm. So less light or more light. Well, we know that <clears throat> God's not going to keep giving you light if you're not using what you have already. So those who have less light, that's enough for them to make a decision intelligently. Those who have more light, that's enough for them to make a decision intelligently. Everyone's going to have sufficient light to make a decision for or against Christ, no matter what. And to whom much is given, much is required. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it also says in that, that statement, like you said, Lee, it says, but each one will be judged according to the light received. And as Karen was alluding to, much light, much, uh, much pop, or however it was, I, whatever counts down, we know how that works. The more you know, of course, the more that's going to be required of you to share because you have much more to share. But thank God he's the one judging, he's judging according to your light. And I think what Percy said is really relevant about is um, not how much light you have, but if you're receptive 
and, and willing to receive the light and stuff. And I believe there's some people who may not really have the light as we understand the light to be, but they live up to a godly principles as they understand those godly principles. I believe those people are going to be counted righteous as well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what, that's what the lesson brought out. It's whatever light God has given you, you've been privileged to. You have to trust God and love God and be willing to follow God to the extent of the light that you've been given. So we'll be all judged by this accordingly. Whatever scale, there are going to be many people that may not be able to explain all the intricate details of the Bible. They didn't go to Andrews and Oakwood and they came in at the last minute like Karen was saying. They just lived up to all the light that they was uh, privileged to have. And God's going to judge that. The righteous judge will judge that accordingly. Hmm. Has anybody ever heard this? Uh, I remember, uh, you know, I used to get speeding tickets before, which Lakita used to hate because <laughs> it costs money, right? So I had a complaint to the police that I didn't see the law. You know, I didn't see any sign. I didn't see the law. And he said, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Mm-hmm. So you still going to get it, whether you knew it or not, or whether you even had the light, so to speak, or not, you're still going to get it. But here God says, no, be condemned for not heeding light that they never had, mm-hmm. did not obtain. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're but dust. He understands our human con- condition. Uh, but there are some who have refused to obey the truth because they rather conform to the world's standard. And the truth has reached their understanding. Now, that's a different story. It's one thing to not have had light shown. It's another to have had the light shown and not understood it perfectly yet. But it's another thing to have had light, understood it, and still said, I'm not going to do it. And even more, Lee, it goes into saying that you're not only going to be judged for the light you rejected, but you can be judged for the knowledge that could have been afforded to you. Opportunities that you could have taken, but you did not even take it. But the first scenario was that people, there are some people that were, they gave an example of people on a a, um, remote area of the earth, uh, some island, and they never came in contact with human beings, but the Holy Spirit was instructing them through nature and just through inspiration. And they were living up to all the light that they had, walking in the precepts of God, according to the spirit, you know? And so, but it said those that have opportunity, there are so many opportunities in North America, you know, through your cell phones, you can get the whole Bible, all the Bible studies, everything that is available that you could have had to enlighten yourself. God said we will be helped accordingly accountable amen uh you had hit on it paul says that those who on page 218 those who have an opportunity to hear the truth and yet take no pain to hear or understand it thinking that if they don't hear it they won't be accountable will be judged guilty before god the same as if they had heard it and rejected it there will be no excuse for those who chose to go in error when they might understand what is the truth. So uh, many times when like we're handing out flyers and invitations to a revival meeting or a Daniel Revelation meeting, 
and people read the flyer and you explain to them what it is and then they decide I'm not going because if I go then I'll be responsible and accountable well you are now because you understood what was going to be there and you missed that opportunity and chose not to go so you can't bury your head in the sand and uh, in fact when I was probably in high school or college and I was telling one of my friends I said uh, I was talking to him about the Sabbath and he said, no, don't tell me, don't tell me, <laughs> you know, think mm. now he's not going to have to, you know, follow the Lord and keep the Sabbath because he didn't want to hear about it. But that's not true. That was an opportunity and we can't pass up opportunities that God gives us to have light shed upon us. Mm. Uh, Karen, were you about to say something? No, no, I was just agreeing with that. And so, hello? Hello? Who was that just joined? Alvina. Oh, hey, Alvina. Hey, y'all. Uh, we're on page 218. Okay, thank you. Uh, look on, let's move over to 219, uh, what Paul was mentioning, that though ignorant of the written law of God, that some worship God without ever having had a written knowledge of him. So they have heard his voice speaking to them through nature and have done the things that the law required. So many times I think about the uh, foreign nations, people living way out in the woods or the Native Americans that uh, early on, well, they didn't have printed Bibles and they didn't have printed words. But God spoke to them through nature and through uh, the animals, the trees, the flowers, et cetera, you know, through his Holy Spirit speaking to them so much that they would acknowledge that there must be a God somewhere. But now with all this information we have, printed word, nature, science, et cetera, there are still people who resist acknowledging God and in fact say God doesn't exist. So that's a, a plain rejection of God and a plain rejection of light. And that's going to be uh, what condemns them in the last days. It, it's on a 219, it says, and we talked about this before in class, that there's many people who are doing different deeds and acts and claiming it in the name of the Lord or feeding the hungry, etc., but why is it that Christ says, depart from me, I never knew you? What is the real reason behind why he says that to people? Because they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't show on Christ, they were showing themselves. Hmm. Okay. You want to explain a little more? Or well, they were showing, they were like, look at me, look what I'm doing. Okay, out of selfishness or ego. Anybody else? Why did Christ say, depart from me? They had fed the hungry, clothed the naked, sheltered the homeless. What was wrong with it? Well, like Alvina said, that is exactly what the Pharisees were doing. And they were doing it to be seen of men and to be, you know, to reap glory for themselves rather than doing it in the name of, uh, in the name of Jesus and out of love and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through them. You know, when we just do stuff because we want to do it without consulting, consulting God and uh, without even thinking about God, then 
God is not involved in it. So he doesn't, you know, if you will, if you can look at it like this, he doesn't even know what you're doing. It's not even acknowledged because you have not acknowledged him to get it done. Mm, okay. And it, I think and it uh, says down, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Percy. And it says down there at the bottom of that chap, um, paragraph, it says, it is the motive that gives character to our acts, stamping them with ignominy or with high moral words. So in other words, if we're doing that simply, as I think it was alluding to, for selfish uh, uh, identity or recognition, then it is of no value. But if we're doing it, and let me not say of no value, because actually it still has value. You have helped someone. But in terms of the reason behind why you're doing it, um, if you're not doing it because of the love of Christ that's within you, then uh, the, the work is of no value for you as, as it pertains to uh, everlasting life, because he will certainly say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. Mm. Okay. Karen? Um, I think also that in that, what you described is really salvation by works, you know, and it's not putting your trust in Christ alone and salvation through Christ alone. Mm-hmm. How do you keep from doing things like that? You want to help the homeless and poor. How do you keep from it being a selfish? Mm-hmm. Anybody? Hey. Um, can you guys hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I would say, listening to all this and the questions, we got to understand our motives, first of all. It's all about what's in your heart. And it, are we trying to truly please God and get someone? I mean, my motive would be to do anything for anybody that's less fortunate is for them to see the love of Christ. Because the whole ordeal is for them to have or to develop a relationship with God because our goal should be and our motive should be to see everyone saved because we know Jesus died for everyone and he wished none should perish. And then when we look at what the scriptures, as we um, review what the scriptures says to us, Christ says when we do things to the least of them, even with the wrong motives, it's like we're doing it to him. You know, it's, it's like we're doing things uh, contrary to what the purpose is. And when we also look at our study and we're looking at what we're discussing, it is a warning message for Christians. Remember these books that we're reading out of and the Bible that we take from, it is God talking to his people, okay? So the warning message is, you know, look here, don't be like those Pharisees, the stuff that you have read about in the past. And we read these books now, you know, uh, the things that we're discussing, this is just my take on it. So it's, it's all about, you know, what's in our hearts, uh, what our motives are, what is the purpose of it. And, you know, when we ask ourselves those questions, then we can do what the Bible asks us to do, which is examine ourselves to see if we are truly in the faith. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Makita, you had something? Well, no, I agree with, with everything that's been said. Okay, so again, it's motives that matter, motives that gives character to our acts. So um, always, as was mentioned, be prayerful. And, you know, allow God's light to shine through you, through your motives and actions. And remember that he's the one uh, that gives us power to do anything to help others. He even gives us the motive to help others through his grace and through showing love to our fellow man. Here's a big question. Uh, can somebody define for us what the seal of God is? That's what our chapter's on. Seal of God or mark of the beast. What is the seal of God? Anybody? Yes, it says it's a settling in um, to the truth, uh, both intellectually and spiritually, so that we cannot be moved. So, uh, and Elder Brown used to say in that scripture, we stand for the right, though the heavens may fall. Mm -hmm. Amen. Anybody else? The seal, Lakita said it's the Sabbath observance. Yeah, I think it's even uh, <clears throat> like uh, Karen was saying, when you have decided in your mind that you will do everything wherever you will follow Jesus, wherever he leads you, mm -hmm. there is no equivocating. You have a made up mind mm -hmm. and you are sealed because everything that God has has commanded you, you're willing uh, to do whatever God has said. There's nothing that can shake you from his hand because you are sealed in your mind to do whatever God has commanded you to do, including the Sabbath. Okay. Let, let, Go ahead. Your, your question is, what is the seal of God? Mm -hmm. uh, we are giving good information within the seal or what we should do or, or what should take place in our decision. But the seal of God, you know, from my studies, uh, it is a heavenly um, created, you know, identity that God, you know, sees, you know, and because just like there is a seal there, we know there is an opposite, uh, regardless to this. So when we look at, you know, uh, what is the seal, you know, it's an identifying mark that a person have received, which is the love of the truth that God sees that particular decision. So it's something, number one, it was, is created by God because as we get further in the studies, and I don't want to get ahead of it, uh, you'll see what God created and why he created it for, uh, for us to even identify with what, why it is what it is. You know, we talk about the Sabbath observance and I don't want to get ahead of it, but that's just my take for right now. Okay. Anyone else? I think you got ahead of it. Yeah, <laughs> and I like to say it along with what Tori was saying uh, in, in answer to that, it, it's a combination of those two things um, that Paul and um, Karen alluded to earlier, and then what Lakita said. Um, certainly, that that particular identifying mark is the Sabbath. 
we, we've known that for many, many years. Uh, we've heard it, we've read it, we've understood it. But also, we've also understood that uh, the, only two thing, the only thing you can take out of here with you is your character. And so that is uh, to become Christ-like. And so those two things, those two marks are definitely the seals of, of, of Christ, of God. Good. Glad you added that about the bearing a likeness to Christ in character. Uh, is there one of the commandments that holds the seal of God? And when we think of a seal, like the, uh, just suppose uh, Sam Page, his seal says Sam Page, County Executive, St. Louis County. Uh, the president has his name, president, title of United States. Is there one of the commandments that has the seal of God? And how so? Anybody ever looked at that? Well, it's the fourth commandment. And it's got his name, his title, and his territory. And what are those? Name is creator, God. Um, come on, Paul, help me out. <laughs> anybody. anybody. Yeah, anybody. Um, his territory is heaven and earth, creator of heaven and earth. And uh, his seal is Sabbath, isn't it? Well, if you look on the Exodus 20, verse 11. The Lord who made the six days, For in six days, who? The Lord. The Lord. That's the title. Made. That's his. Uh, I'm sorry, that's his name. Made his title, Creator. 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 Territory is heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. So that's his seal of God uh, is shown in the fourth commandment. And remember that the seven-day Sabbath instituted in Eden is a test of our loyalty to God. Mm -hmm. True even more as time grows to a close because we'll be forced to make that choice, right? Mm -hmm. Between what? Mark of the beast and the seal of God. A choice between Mark of the Beast, Seal of God, Lakeva, what'd you say? Observing God's laws, following the law of God, or following the law of God, or following the law of man. What anybody else, what choice are we gonna have to make? And notice he says that the uh Sabbaths shall be a sign between him and us. So that is a sanctifying uh seal. Anybody else? Yeah, those owners say that they may know it's a sign between the, his God's people and him that they may know, talking about the world, that I am the one that sanctifies you. So mm -hmm. that is the, the identifying mark of those on God's side and those who are not. Okay, so it's a, the sign is a sign of allegiance. Whose side are we on? You know, whose side are you going to be on? Are you going to be on God's side? If so, he's going to seal you on his side. Are you going to be on Satan's side? If so, you know, we're uh, you'll be sealed with the mark of the beast. So it's a sign of whose side are you on? And many times in life, we're always called to make a choice or find a way to uh, for others to determine which side we're on. Most of the time, it's through our actions and our words. If you do things that a gang member does, then people tell you're on the gang side. If you do things that Christians do, people say, oh, he's on the Christian side. You do things that Democrats or Republicans do, 
people can tell whose side you're on. So uh, people can tell whose side we're on, but the true sealing is going to come by God. Going to be the one that says, this person is truly on my side. This person is truly not on my side. And that's where it comes in as a blessing that we don't, we're not the judges of that. We can see signs, but we don't know everybody's heart. We don't know their real motives, but God does. That's why he's the one that's going to be doing the sealing at the end time. Other comments? And it says uh, over on 222, Satan is now using every device in this sealing time to keep the minds of God's people from the present truth and to cause them to waver. So keeping our minds off present truth and causing us to waver. If you're in a court on a murder charge and you're a defense lawyer, what does he have to prove to get you off of the murder charge? Reasonable doubt. That's right. That's all it takes, <laughs> ain't it? Reasonable doubt. So here's God saying, uh, Satan is trying to get us to have reasonable doubt that we're on God's side. And we have to be very careful because reasonable doubt you know, in a court of law, it doesn't take a lot sometimes for that to happen. Now, we talked about the seal of God, allegiance to God, the seventh-day Sabbath, uh, and God's character. What, what is the mark of the beast then? Anybody? It'll be the Satan character. It'll be working, okay, oh, you're not keeping the Sabbath, of course. Okay. Anybody it's, the, it's the Sunday, keeping the Sunday Sabbath. The papal yeah. Sabbath. I don't see how they keep the Sabbath. They still go to ball games and restaurants and whatever else. They don't even keep their Sabbath holy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> obedience to um, all God's commands. Okay. That's good. The question is, uh, what's the mark of the beast? You first have to identify who the beast is, the papal power, and then its mark Sunday, its mark of authority, saying that it has uh, power to change God's times and laws. That's what the pontiff, the Holy Father, as they call it, says. <clears throat> but we know God does not change. So God has his seal, God has his sign, and the polar opposite, Satan has his counterfeit, and he uses the papal th authority, Sunday worship, as the antithesis to God's Sabbath, his holy day, the seventh day of the week, Sabbath. What's antithesis mean? I mean, it's just the, the polar opposite. Okay, so God's mark is... Mm -hmm keeping the seventh day Sabbath. The mark of the beast is the opposite, the observance of the first day of the week. What's another name for? Contrary uh, to the word of God. What'd you say? I'm sorry, I meant to correct myself. Anything contrary to the word of God. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, remember people uh, say, uh, they call it the counterfeit Sabbath. Have you ever noticed in history, whenever God has 
uh, something, the devil comes up with a counterfeit. Mm -hmm. God does. The devil got a counterfeit. Again, trying to create reasonable doubt in our minds. Again, trying to get us to stay on his side. Again, trying to get us to lose faith in Christ. Whatever God does, the devil comes up with a counterfeit. Um, I was laughing because I was thinking almost like uh, the way Trump tries to do something opposite of Obama. Whatever Obama did, Trump wouldn't do the opposite. So whatever God does, the devil tries to come up with an opposite. Uh, so Sunday was the counterfeit Sabbath. And as Paul mentioned, the, the papacy is behind all that. They even acknowledge it in their own writings, in their own catechism. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, you ask the question, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, what day is the Sabbath? The Bible Sabbath, they'll say Saturday. And then you say, well, how come y'all worship on Sunday? And they'll tell you because the Pope changed the solemnity of the day from Saturday to Sunday. And as Paul had mentioned, he would think to change times and laws. Yeah, he, he thinks he did, but not in heaven. He has uh -huh. not changed God's laws. He has not changed God's seal or his Sabbath or his mark. He just thinks he has. But, uh, the real they, Go ahead, Alvin. And they, and they try to call it the Jewish Sabbath. I'm like, well, Jude wouldn't, you know, Jewish people wouldn't made it in the beginning of, of creation. So right. I don't see how they get away with that one. Right. So everybody has a different name for it. And again, that's the devil trying to create reasonable doubt. It don't take much. So here's a question for you. Is everybody going to church on Sunday right now have the mark of the beast? No, not no. yet. No. I thought Sunday's the mark of the beast. Sunday keep. No one's been given a mark of anything now. They, the decree hasn't went out yet to enforce it. What decree? That says that you must go to church on Sunday. Oh, okay. You know, anybody know when that's going to happen? Tomorrow. <laughs> it's already on the books, but they have not enforced it. Oh, okay. So it could happen at any time they enforce it, right? Mm -hmm, that's right. And then once they right. start telling people, either through uh, fines, imprisonment, or death, then uh -huh. that's when your choice is going to have to be made. And then, according to God's uh, knowledge, that's when you either receive the mark of the beast or the seal of God. So it's not the mark of the beast yet, but the time will come when it will be. Because, again, that's going to show whose side you're on. Who am I? Who is my allegiance to? Is it to God or is it to the devil? So, it's not, so don't. Don't hate your Sunday keeping relatives and stuff. Mm -hmm. The mark of the beast at this point. As the Sabbath will be the great test of loyalty, for it is the point of truth, especially controverted. When the final test shall be brought to bear upon men, that's you know what we're talking about when the decree comes out. Then the line of distinction will between be drawn between those who serve God and those who serve Him not. That's when it's going to happen. Uh, while the observance of the false Sabbath in compliance with the law of the state, contrary to the fourth commandment, will be an avowal of allegiance to a power in opposition to God. The keeping of the true Sabbath in obedience to God's law is evidence of loyalty to the creator, like Paula was pointing out. Obedience to God's law or not obedience to God's law. 
while one class by accepting the sign of submission to earthly power received the mark of the beast, the other choosing the token of allegiance to divine authority received the seal of God. God says to us, when we come in conflict between God's laws and man's laws, what should we do? Obey God's laws. Right. I, we should rather obey God than man. Anytime you come in conflict with the law of the state or law of the land or whatever, think about it. Is this in conflict with God's law? Is this in conflict with God's commandment? And if it is, you have a decision to make, right? So I have a question. Mm -hmm. I have a question for the class, Lee. So would there be anything wrong with um, for for outward appearances going to church on Sunday, but actually keeping Sabbath holy? Uh, yes. You're going to share your yeah. faith. You can't keep it a secret. And I think it says that you can't serve two gods. Yeah. Because you will hate one and love the other mm -hmm. or one of them. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me say this. Let me let me interject, please. Uh, love is an expression of obedience. And when we talk about to love God with all our heart and soul and mind as he asks us to do it and, and love our neighbor as thyself, when we look at what we're discussing this evening, you know, we're identifying ourselves, you know, with the love of God, you know, by being obedient to our creator because uh, we want to express our gratitude for what he has done. Now, on the other hand, when Karen proposed that question, which is, uh, is, is a good serious question because you'd be surprised how many people are trying to uh, do that and, and, and show the world that they could be lukewarm. And it's okay because it's not really about the day. So that question, Karen, is, is a really good uh, question for thought. But when we look at the standards uh, of Christian livings and we're talking about being followers of Christ, you know, you know, Jesus Christ asks one of the most important questions that you can read in the Bible. And that question is, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I ask or what I say? So, so my question is because, and I think there are people that truly would want to know that, you know, the answer because, you know, right now oh, we go to, Karen, hold on. I think somebody else had a comment before you uh, okay. go further. Did someone else have a comment about that? Whether you can keep Saturday and Sunday? Okay, go ahead, Karen. Um, and, and the reason I'm asking this question is because, you know, we as Adventists, we have revivals on any day of the week. We go to church on any day of the week that, you know, sometimes we have two, three week long revivals. And so we're going every day of the week. And so what is the difference between that 
and this is a question for the class, clarifying mm. things for those who may be listening. What is the difference between that and uh, when the when the when the Sunday law comes out and we're actually keeping Sabbath holy, but we also attend church on Sunday? Okay, I got a personal experience with that. Now, I I do attend a Baptist church on Sundays because I help with their media. But I let, but they all know, they're like, well, she's a seven-day Adventist. Even when, you know, I greet, like, you know, the people, and they're like, oh, how's your church coming along? You know, and stuff like that. But they have a lot of questions about the Sabbath, which, you know, like, I, I took some of the books that said, because some of them said, well, what do Adventists really believe? And I had some books here that said, you know, what are Christian Adventists? And I was able to pass those out. And still, when they see me, they know, on Friday nights and Saturdays, they know when the sun sets, they like, she's a seven-day Adventist. So when, they, when it was open and they was having meals, they was like, these are the items, uh, Sister Harper, that does not have meat. And they, said, and they said, so make sure you keep that separate so she'll know. And I said, but I, I, I do help them with their media center. But it doesn't mean that I'm part of them. I go and I fellowship, and like I said, when they got questions about why do you eat the way you eat, I said, I, you know, I say, well, let's study the Bible, you know, let's go to Leviticus. And I have offered, uh, there's a couple of them, I said, if you ever want Bible studies, just give me a call. Karen, let me, let me, let me, um, your, your question is, what is the difference? Can, can Just say it one more time for me, please. Okay, yes. Okay. So what I said was that, we as Adventists have no problem having revivals on any day of the week, any time of the day, on any day of the week. And so the question is, what is the difference? How would that be different, if at all, from when the Sunday law comes out? We still keep Sabbath holy privately, but then we go to church on Sunday. Let's let's make let me let me make this really clear for the class. It's only one that you want to know the difference. God only made holy, sanctified, blessed only one particular day, and that day was day seven. Now you can live holy every day. That's what we're supposed to do. But when we take the principle of what God expects for his people to do, to acknowledge him as the true and living God and their creator, then that principle has to be kept. So one day is created for mankind to identify and to acknowledge their creator. So with that being said, this is the difference to me due to my studies. Uh, that what God say God mean and what man say we shouldn't do if it is going contrary to what God is uh, asking uh, us to do. Yeah, I think also to piggyback on that, it's the motive in what you do. Uh, like Patsy gave an example, Ellen G. White talks about um, in evangelism, having meetings, said we should have some Sunday meetings, that that will draw 
the people who would not hear the truth. Um, but we know that the you don't want your good to be evil spoken of. We don't want to confuse uh, the issue as to what day. Some people say, well, I want to keep Sabbath <clears throat> and Sunday. Okay, well, why do you want to keep Sunday? Because sun Sunday represents the mark of Satan. It's the, it's the counterfeit of God's Sabbath. So I don't want to identify or encourage anybody else by my example going and attending a church on Sunday because I know what that represents. And so I don't want to lead others astray by any means. So that when, so let me just interrupt you for a second. So that when the Sunday law comes out, we will no longer ha have revivals on Sunday? No, I, when you're talking about evangelism, there's, there's a purpose within evangelism. You're not worshiping uh, in the traditional sense, but you are, you are teaching, okay? You can teach every single day. And if Sunday is one of the days of the week that you're having your meeting, it's not that you're, you are presenting that as a Sabbath, you know? That is completely different. You're in school you having a class that you're presenting every day and it happens, happens to be on Sunday. But we are not presenting Sunday as the Sabbath. We're not keeping that and worshiping God and having church service as though it is uh, 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 the Sabbath. So we make that point clear. So. Mm. Some very good points. Uh, Alvina, was that you had something? Uh, no, I don't think that was me. It was Jan. I was going to say it reminds me of the Hebrew boys not bowing down before the statue because they could have had the mindset, well, we're going to bow down, but we're still going to reverence God as our creator. And, you know, he's the only one we're going to worship, but we're going to go along with this so we can still continue to witness and minister in our roles. They made a very clear distinction that they wouldn't bow down at peril of their lives. Very interesting. Go it ahead. Was, Karen said, <clears throat> I agree with Paul and everything that's been said. And I think, Karen, what I'm thinking about is what is the purpose? Like Paul said, are we just teaching? Are we, we're teaching on um, Sunday, like we're going to teach on Monday and Tuesday. But is the purpose to acknowledge that Sunday as the Sabbath? Because if that's not your purpose, because we read the Bible on, sat on Sunday and we talk about God on Sunday and maybe even preach on Sunday, but is is our goal to actually observe this particular day as Sunday? That's the first thing. And then the sex, second comment is when they do the Sunday law, whatever, and we're doing our um, and we're doing our revivals. So they've done this Sunday law, and are we going to do this? Or are we going to say, well, we're not going to worship on Saturday, like Jan said. Well, we're not, we're not going to worship on Saturday. We're just going to worship on Sunday, although we know that Saturday is the Sabbath. I think that's um, that's not really standing up. That's actually bowing down. But if you just going along to get along, yeah, we're doing just a typical. You know, it's our Bible study day that we usually do, or, or it's a revival that we usually do. There's no problem with that. Now let me point out that right now Sunday keeping is not the mark of the beast. Okay, so people can do. Uh, go to church on Sunday. It's not the mark of the beast at this point until the decree goes out and people are starting to be punished and fined for it. Now, remember, the disciples had that meeting 
It was on the first day of the week and that guy fell asleep and fell out of the window. Well, a lot of people use that to say Sunday is the, the day to worship on. But they were just having a regular meeting. They knew that was not the Sabbath. They were still having a religious meeting, preaching and teaching about Christ and about God, which is what we're allowed to do. You can preach and teach about God any day of the week. But the point is, you recognize that the true Sabbath of God, the Holy Sabbath, is the seventh day of the week. It's not the first day of the week. Now, for, hey, a, for a time being, there will be a time where you can and probably and a lot of people will go to church on Saturday and go to church on Sunday. But the difference being, you know, the seventh day is God's holy Sabbath. And at some point, they're going to squeeze it down to say, no, you can't go both days. You got to pick. And now comes the choice that we talked about. Whose side are you on? Are you going to keep God's holy seventh day Sabbath? Or are you going to keep the devil's counterfeit Sabbath? That's when the, uh, dec the uh, delineation will be made on whose side you're on. And at that point, you choosing the seal of God or the mark of the beast. But it says in prophecy that there will be times where Sabbath keepers, those who know God's true Sabbath, will be worshiping on Saturday and Sunday. But again, coming down to the real decision, they know which day is God's holy Sabbath, and they are not crossing that line, even to the point of death. That's going to be the final choice all of us have to make. Who, what? Whose side is our lead on? Andre had something to say. One of the things that I think about when I look at the fourth commandment is I never see the word worship. We keep talking about the day of worship. The fourth commandment doesn't even mention worship. The fourth commandment. Keep it holy. The, day, the fourth commandment mentions when to work and when not to work. That's really what keeping the day holy is about. It's not about worship. Because we've said many times, many of us have said every day, it's nothing wrong with worshiping God, and we should worship him every day. So I think we get kind of confused when you talk about a day of worship and a day to keep holy. It's two different things. You can't keep a day holy. God already kept the day holy. He already mentioned that Saturday, Sabbath, is the day to keep holy. But then there's a question of worship. Well, question of worship has nothing to do with keeping the day holy. We can have worship. We can go and sit down for a couple of hours and have worship in a church. It has nothing to do with keeping the whole day holy. The fourth commandment, as I read, it talks about working and not working. My son, my daughter, man, servant, maid, servant, cattle, strangers within that end. This has nothing to do with my cattle worshiping or my wife worshiping or not worshiping. It's about work. That's what I thought. And resting. Resting and work. Resting, resting. from your labor. Not a question of worship. So. Well, I, just, I think I, where, the, where the worship part comes in is the keep it holy part. And then when you get into all the various ways to keep that day holy, uh, worshiping God and thinking about him and his power comes into it. So if I worship them on Monday, I wouldn't be having to necessarily keep that day holy. No, right? that's, that's, what, I, that's what we're saying. You can worship God any day. But right. the question at, at hand is, which whose allegiance are you going to be on? Are you going to accept God's Sabbath or are you going to accept the devil's Sabbath? 
So that's saying, I'm on God's I'm on God's side or I'm on the side. So if the Sunday law says you have to worship on this day, which has nothing to do with what God said about keeping the seventh day Sabbath holy, then I'm going to be the legalist and say, well, okay, the Sunday law does not say we have to keep it holy. It simply says we have to worship God on that day. You know what? I'm sure there'll be a lot of arguments about what the law actually means when it comes out, but I can guarantee you one thing, everybody's going to have to make a decision and right. let yeah. let it stay vague. They're going to narrow it down to where they just either you do this or you're going to die or get put in jail. And that's the time where it becomes mark of the beast. They're saying your allegiance, the acts you do, the things you do, you believe this to be the holy Sabbath day. That's what they're going to narrow it down to. It's okay. all the time to making a choice. Whose side are you on? Let, let me but some people, oh, what was that? A couple more comments. Hey. We'll wind it up. I was trying to say, um, some people when they think they're choosing to live, they're actually choosing to die. Now, Vin, you know, don't when you they make, don't don't you make that decision? Then, if you if you if you don't don't be like one of them. What do you mean by that, Alvin? I mean, if they're choosing, I'm gonna go along to get along, you know. Oh. So they live, but it, let, let you understand me, now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me interject here before we wrap everything up, okay? Because I'm listening to this and I'm looking at all the scenarios and and we, we got all this wealth of information, but the bottom line, uh, and I'm 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 going to agree with what Lee Carroll is saying, uh, like whose side you on? Who you gonna pay your allegiance to? And uh, one thing what stands out for me uh, coming out of a Baptist church and a Baptist family to come up, become a Seventh-day Adventist uh, Christian, we look at the truth of the matter. Uh, this what it comes down to. It comes down to your conviction. And it comes down to when you're tuned in to the Holy Spirit. When God, the Holy Spirit, reveals unto you through the word of God what the instructions of God is for our daily life and how we are to reflect that, you know, it's going to come down to what are you convicted of? There's no way on earth that you can say that God is convicting you to continue to worship, and I'm saying that word, worship, uh, or to pay allegiance to both sides of the fence. That doesn't make sense. So if you are convicted that the word of God is true and in those words, uh, you are truly to, to live by those standards, then that, that's something that you will be doing. You will be identified with. You will be uh, pleasing the Lord and so forth and so on. I don't want to be long-winded. So when we get to the whole heart of the whole message of what God is trying to say to us today through these writings and through the scriptures, you know, God is asking you and I a question, what have I said and what choice are you going to make? Just, Go ahead, Paul. What Tori just said, 
I want to be. I want us to be careful because uh, some may try to calculate and time things and, and, and <laughs> saying, "Well, when they when they pass this law and this law, then I'm going to lock in." But what we're doing right now, we are choosing sides right now who we're paying our allegiance to, whether really whether we are really trusting God with our tithe, our offerings. Uh, uh, yeah our time, our talents, everything, we are setting ourselves up right now to who we're going to serve. When he says, today, when you hear my voice, heart not your heart, because tomorrow's not promised. You know, you cannot say, well, I'm, I'm going to decide sometime down the road to really lock into this thing, you know, just keep sliding by and just kind of being on the fence trying to be neutral not quite all the way surrendered to god kind of half-baked christians if you're half-baked you're all the way on satan's side so you need to we need to really pray lord i want to be a christian in my heart i don't want to just be going through the motions doing what i think is just uh just necessary to, that i think in my mind to be saved you know, God has given us too many warnings and parables about lukewarm Christians, the church of Laodicea, you know, the foolish virgins. We don't want to be caught <clears throat> just straddling. We have to be decided in our minds every day. Lord, I want to trust you. Create in me a clean heart. Search me. If there's anything within me, remove it. Good point. So remember now. Yeah, and also here something too to say on salvation. that as well. So we don't want to sit around waiting, as Paul said, because the last movements will be very rapid. Before you know it, here comes Jesus in the clouds, and it's too late to try and figure it out. So right now we're being sanctified and uh, made holy through Christ's Spirit. Uh, so we have to be very careful about that. Don't get into the Laodicean trap of thinking I got plenty of time or the virgins without any oil. We just always wanna watch and pray and make our calling and election sure. Uh, we'll wrap up for today. Appreciate everybody's input. Uh, next time we'll be on, not week, but next time we're in this book, be on 16th close of probation, which blends right in with this, uh, with this end of this chapter that we have. So uh, if we would ask Lakita, if she would offer prayer for us. Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, we are just so grateful for the light that you have given us that we are able to understand your word. Dear Father, we know that there are many standing in the valley of decision. Lord, we ask for the, um, for the appeal of the Spirit of God to touch their hearts and their minds and their souls, Lord. And we ask this week as we go forward that our own hearts will be pricked by the Spirit of God and that we will live closer and more fully for you, Lord. And that we would do the things that you tell us to do and reach out to those people whom we care and love so that they too may be saved at your soon second coming. In the name of Jesus, we pray and praise you always. Amen. Amen. And as always, this is Amen. an opportunity for further study, and further discussion. Amen. Thanks for hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Hello. Oh, Karen. Karen, what are you studying next week? Uh, chapter 68 of Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1. Title is chapter is, I'm sorry. The chapter is titled "The Future," and I think Alvina was trying to say something. Alvina, I was. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. 
Yeah, I ask for prayers for my children. They're getting ready to go back to school uh, Monday and pray for their spiritual growth. And also that uh, my daughter, she had a, uh, that my son gets more financial aid. My daughter, they gave her, she was on 3500 and now she negative 2800 So they she she's going to get paid back 2800 wow. My son is, yeah. So I'm asking for my son to get more financial aid too. Man. And for your prayers. Okay. Uh, also, I'd like to say for anybody who's out there who'd like to reach us, I think you can reach us at Tabernacle Praise. They can come on at that point. Uh, Karen, how can someone reach us um, if they want to have further Bible studies or if they want to uh, purchase a book or find out where they can get materials so that they can keep up with the classes? How can they get in touch with us? They can send us something to our email, topsdachurch at att.net. All right, thank okay. you. All right, let's have a quick word of special prayer. Paul, would you like to give special prayer? Any other prayer requests? Well, I have children who, are, uh, who have been diagnosed COVID-19, but they're doing very well, so we ask you to continue to keep them in your prayers, and we just praise God for you know, the prayers that you guys have already done on our behalf. And I, and have, I have a special a... prayer. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was at the Alton Church today, and there's a lady that decided she's leaving. She's leaving her Sunday church, and she's been going there, I guess, since they've been open, because I haven't been going there till I got the call. But today, when she looked down, she was, I guess she looked at her phone, and she cried out because she found out that her youngest daughter had died. Oh, so man. we... We all just started praying, and it, and her name is Samantha Jones, hmm. and that was during church time. Okay, sorry to hear that. Other special prayer requests? Uh, yes, I have an unspoken prayer request, and uh, just uh, it's just a God-sized prayer. So, um, just pray that God will hear and answer that. Okay. Any others before Paul offers prayer? I have a prayer request for um, for my cousin, Tasha. Um, she is uh, actually in a coma right now, mm. and they don't expect her to make it. So I want to just have, have my church family uh, lift her up in prayer. Okay, I'm sorry. Can we lift up Barbara Wilson? She has surgery, and Velma Smiley, she had surgery. Okay, Paul. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so grateful and thankful, Lord, that you can, we can call upon you, Lord. As a matter of fact, you said before we call, you will already answer. Lord, well, you've heard the request, Lord Jesus, of the Sister Alvina's children, Lord, looking for financial aid, Lord, to increase that, Lord. We pray that you will intervene and give them uh, divine favor, Lord Jesus, that they'll be, be able to lessen that uh, financial uh, uh, tuition cost, Lord Jesus. And we just continue to pray for that young lady who decided to come out of the Sunday church, Lord. We just pray, Lord, that you, and, uh, we understand how the devil has attacked her family, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, we pray that even with the loss of her daughter, Lord Jesus, you said all things work together for the good of those that are called according to your purpose, Lord. We know that there's still a greater 
purpose, Lord, that is still in store. So we just pray that you'll wrap your loving arms around her, Lord. Don't let her lose faith, Lord, but let, let her just draw closer to you as a result, Lord. And we pray for those... Um, Pray for Teresa's uh, relative, Lord, that's on the Tasha that's on that uh, deathbed, Lord Jesus. We pray that you will come in, Lord, and interpose and beat back the effects of that disease, Lord, and come out of that coma situation, Lord, and the brain swelling, Lord. We just, we know that you can reverse it, Lord Jesus. Be with her, her mom, Lord, and her family, Lord, that's around that bed, Jesus that your name may be glorified, Lord, and the two other individuals, Lord, that are sick. Uh, you know their names, Lord. We just pray, Jesus, that you will just come in, Lord, and touch that body, Lord. Meet every need according to your riches and glory. Lord, we know that you are prayer-answering God, so we just pray that you will bless all of our family members, Lord. Karen had an unspoken request. You know what that is, Lord Jesus. So we just pray, Lord, that you will uh, just touch that situation, Lord. And uh, also Lakita in a special way, Lord. We pray that you'll bless that situation, Lord, according to your grace and mercy. All, all that we fail to ask, fail not to grant. We ask it in the worthy name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. Have a blessed rest of the Sabbath. Be blessed and share your blessings with others. Okay, and we're doing the last Walter Pearson this evening at 630. All righty. Okay. Happy Sabbath. Bye-bye.